You're listening to the FUVFC Podcast on WFUVSports.org. FUVFC, March 9th, 2018. I am John Furlong, joined by my good friend. We're totally not at each other's throats before the show, Christian Hoban. Christian, how are you? I'm fantastic, Mr. Farlong. Just happy to be here. I'm sure you are. I'm glad I'm glad to see you, Christian. It seems like you've been on every single week and I'm based on our conversation before the show, that's probably going to end after this show. I think we need a little bit of a little bit of a break from each other. I I mean, that's a little harsh. <laughs> <laughs> Just cuz I was making fun of the Dolphins for trading Jarvis Landry. Yes, that is true. I am a Dolphins fan and I'm very very upset. Mira, I don't know if you heard about that, but Jarvis Landry did just get traded as of like 10 minutes ago and I'm very Where very Where did he get traded to? The Browns. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that was kind of my reaction too. I just kind of laughed. But this is an NFL Friday. This is FUVFC. We've got a lot to talk about in the world of soccer. Starting with PSG Madrid, we're going to start on that. We're going to talk about PSG that they just they they may never at this point they may never get over that hump in the Champions League. And literally the Champions League is the only thing for them to reach for now. They've won the domestic treble three years in a row. I mean, that's just unfair. Like they should not be in the French League anymore. Like that's that, that's just what is even the point of being in a domestic league at that point? You know, you you get what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, it, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, it, they they don't even have to try. Yeah, and they just walk their way to a treble every year, and then they, it, they could probably you, win the treble with their B team. Yeah, and then they show up in the Champions League and they do nothing. Like, yeah, how, like how how well, can you be that why. good and that bad? And by the way, Mir Gori on the podcast as well. That is also why, you know, there's the the argument that there will at some point be a super uh, Euro League, you know, of all the, like, say, top top 15 teams. And, and the way it would work is, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the each country would send, you know, their top two or three or four. And, and then, you know, the, the way they perform in the Euro League, you know, the ones that get relegated have to then go back through the domestic league to get back in. You know, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting conversation. One probably for another day. We've got a jam-packed show to discuss today. We'll also talk about Spurs-Juve, probably the second biggest game of this Champions League week. Obviously a very crushing defeat for Christian's team. Spurs took an early 1-0 lead through Sung Hun Min, who was fantastic. And unfortunately, two goals in quick succession from a very experienced and very classy Juve side saw Spurs out of the competition. We'll, we'll let you say your thing, Christian. We were talking a little bit after the game. We were texting a little bit. But you'll have your say in just a little bit. We'll look ahead. We'll talk about United-Liverpool. That's the biggest BPL game of the weekend. And then we'll talk about Chelsea-Barcelona, probably the biggest Champions League tie left. I know that Man United and Sevilla is also a very close tie, nil-nil going back to Old Trafford, and Man United obviously a really big club. But I think the biggest and best matchup so far or left to go in the Champions League is Chelsea-Barcelona. And then at the end, we'll talk about Arsenal. That was such an Arsenal performance yesterday. 2-0 win over over Milan. And when's the last time you say that like an Arsenal performance is a win? But when their backs are against the wall and everything seems to be gone. They somehow come up with these... They, you saw it last year. I saw it from a Chelsea fan perspective last year in the FA Cup final, but they were sensational in that matchup against AC Milan. Yeah, they were... They they looked like everything that we thought they should have looked like when they got Mkhitaryan and oh, Aubameyang yeah. in the... Well, Aubameyang, Aubameyang didn't yeah, play, but, but... But everything that we thought that they would become when they added those two guys, 
was what they were in Milan and Mkhitaryan was fantastic and just as a team they looked they looked like they wanted they liked playing for Arsene Wenger again. Oh yeah, it's it's crazy how it goes from one week they literally they hate it. They hate it and the next thing you know they're beating Milan too. No, you got to give credit Milan were pretty terrible on the I day. Mean, I mean yeah, they were. But, but that's that that just goes into the fact that Arsenal played really well. I mean, yeah, they forced Milan into those mistakes. When when you're playing on the road against a team that struggles, you still have to take advantage of it because even if they are struggling, they are at home, so they're they're going to have a little bit of a built-in advantage. And they Arsenal took advantage of it. We are going to start our show today with some off the field news. However, the biggest story in the world of soccer is this very very sad and sudden passing of Fiorentina captain Davide Astori. Mir, you are Italian. You were born in Italy. You lived there for much of your life. Just go through and tell me what the feeling is from Italian fans and Italian culture, Italian soccer culture altogether. Just tell me what it's like over there right now. Um, there have been players that have had uh, heart attacks on the field. There have been players that have had heart attacks after games. Uh, Maradona has been you know, the classic player of, of doing you know, cocaine in, in, in between halves. So Italy's kind of had this experience of some drug abuse as well as some heart issues with players uh, during games. It, it, it's been it, it's really devastating, and and it's something that a lot of the um, the Italian federation has looked into, um, and I think that they're going to want to do more research on cardiac um, health. And a player actually that doesn't have anything to do with soccer, but does have Italian origin that has been helping in this is Manu Ginobili, actually, uh, because Manu Ginobili is, is of Italian descent. He's from Argentina, but uh, he uh, he comes from a family that uh, I think one of his, the story is that one of his siblings had a similar issue. So he actually uh, reached out uh, to Fiorentina, and, and, and Manu speaks Italian, so for him it was very simple for, for him to, to reach out to them and, you know, through his people. And uh, basically, the Spurs have been a, a, a big, uh, the San Antonio Spurs have been uh, kind of a leading uh, team in all sports, really, in, in this kind of research. And they have been uh, helpful. You know, Spurs have always been very helpful to a lot of teams, not just in the NBA, but even in Australia, the Australian Soccer League. In terms of player health, they've always been cutting edge. And they've been helping out Fiorentina during this time. Obviously, Italians are really devastated about this. And, uh, you know, there was that really uh, moving shot, you know, uh, in that moment of silence in the Tottenham um, and, uh, and, 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 and Juventus game. Yeah, that, that was really moving. I, I just got to say, you know, it's a, it's a devastating thing and, and, it's, and it's very tragic. But, but at the same time, I feel like Italians are wanting to, which is a little rare, wanting to do something about it as opposed to just talking about it. And I think... It's not that we want to put it past us, but it, it just seems like the, the just the vibe from from everybody that was talking uh, to in Milan and Florence was, you know, the thing is everybody just wants answers, you know, and 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 he, you know, obviously obviously uh, left behind his 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 uh, his you know his partner Francesca Fioretti and and his daughter Vittoria who was two years old, so that's 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 a really tough thing, and it just reminds me of uh, I'm forgetting his name now, the pitcher for the. I think is the Marlins, uh, the Jose Fernandez. Marlins. Yeah, who who also you know left behind a. a, a yeah, it's a, it's a, a very child. similar. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, there's been a lot of this in the world. I think in the past year, and it's very sad, especially after the Brazil thing. So, you know, people I think just need, like are going to take um, athletes' health, especially in Italy, uh, a little more seriously. 
There's going to be a lot more preparation because this is really devastating because he, it wasn't that he was a significant player for the Italian national team per se, but he was a significant player for a team that is significant to Italy's development in soccer. Fiorentina is always number one tactically. Uh, their issue is that they just don't have the funds to compete with Juventus, but they were kind of the architects of, of, of uh, and involved the, the Italian catenaccio, the, the, the fundamental uh, defensive strategy. So Fiorentina have always been great in this, and I thought he was a critical player in, in that. So, you know, as an Italian team that's obviously reeling from uh, a World Cup failure to qualify, you know, he was a player that was critical in developing some new tactics, and Fiorentina always is doing that. It's just it hurts on a lot of layers. It really hurts the community. It's it's very sad. How will Davide story be remembered? He's going to be remembered as a guy who was a glue player, really, you know, and uh, a player that that brought the team together. Uh, kind of your 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 typical leader. Um, but also a man who who's known for being very humble, and uh, he you know he was not overly outspoken, but he really spoke through his, uh, by example, and and a lot of people say that they were really proud of of the way he responded even to when Italy did not qualify for the World Cup. He he sent out this this mass tweet basically saying, hey, this is an opportunity for us to get better, you know. And while most of the times we're complaining, he was saying, hey, you know, let's put a positive spin on this. And so I think that's what Fiorentina really gathered and are trying to say, you know, what, what I thought he would have wanted is, you know, to, to just put a positive spin on this. Let's make this, a, like, let's make his death the, the, the beginning of something better, you know, more, more knowledge on, on cardiac health and, and, and better prevention methods, you know. So a, true, a real trooper. No, that's a great way to put it, Mir, and that's a great... He did send out that tweet saying this is a chance to learn from that, and that, that, is, that really underlies the, the way you said he was a leader and a real, a real locker room guy, I, I guess, and that's, that's a great way to put it. So we'll kind of move on from that. We'll, we'll move on to much happier things. We'll move on to on the field rather than off the field, but it kind of, it's a sobering reality that... I remember the commentator said this before the Champions League game starts, like, this is... Like, we say, like, oh, hypothetical, like, life or death, like, in Champions League. Like, that is, that's not really what it is. Like, yes, it is, it is very, very important to the fans and to the players, but it is just a game. Like, life or death is right. much, much more important than that. And Davide Astori's death was a sobering reminder of that. All right, we'll move on. We'll start with PSG Madrid. PSG, they are, and I had PSG fault going out of the group. I had them losing to Madrid, so this was not a surprise to me. The 3-1 loss in the first leg, they seemed to have control, and they let it get away from them. And in my opinion, they never had control of the second leg. I think Cristiano Ronaldo and company went in there and just did biz- did, did what they needed to do and got that, got that win. Christian, your thoughts on PSG? I genuinely thought that after after the uh, the 3-1 defeat, I genuinely thought they had a chance to come back home and get a 2-0 win and and move on with the away goal. But it, they just they're not the same team without Neymar, which is to be expected. I don't even know if they were going to win that with Neymar, to be completely honest. I don't know if they were going to get through with Neymar. I Do I you don't think know th- they were. I I would have picked them. Um, two, if Neymar was there, that doesn't mean necessarily that they would have. My track record with picks isn't great. <laughs> um, but I think that, I mean, obviously they would have had a much better shot and I think it would have been a much different game. Um, they wouldn't, they wouldn't necessarily have gone th- 
gone through, but I don't think they would have been out of control of the game for as long for as much of the game as yeah, they, that as is they did. They were at home. They were they they needed a big effort uh, to come back from down two goals to the reigning European champions, and they just didn't give that effort. And I don't think that they would have looked so flat with Neymar in the lineup. That's all. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, me, me, you. yeah. For me, it, 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 it was there were two reasons uh, why I think you know it was obvious in my eyes that Real were, were going to go in advance. One is that they have way more experience in this moment. You know, Neymar yes has experience, but has less experience than than Cristiano Ronaldo in general. But also as as the leader, the number one guy, he, the, his biggest experience is his time in Brazil. You know, or for the national team as being the fundamental focal point. But for PSG, he, he's obviously had very little experience in that regard. And the and, and the second reason I think it's also that I think I think people have and I've said this from the beginning, I've always thought that Neymar was a little overhyped because everybody's been so amazed by Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi that they think that, you know, there's gonna be another one very soon. But you know, there are periods and there are sometimes even decades that legendary players aren't the same as, you know, ones in past decades. And I think that that's the case is that Neymar's a really good player who's just not as good as them. I mean, it's the classic case of, you know, for example, in the 90s, Romario from Brazil was the superstar striker and everybody thought he was amazing. And they said, oh, we don't think Ronaldo's going to get to that level. But instead, Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo, was a million times better than him. And then, for a while, Brazil didn't have any real superstar other than Ronaldinho, and he didn't last long. And and then Neymar showed up, and so they thought, oh, well, this is it. But, you know, sometimes, you know, like like these players aren't, you know, carbon copies, and, and they're not the, the next legend. I, I think people just have overhyped Neymar a little bit. He's a great player, but he's not a great leader. No, I would 100% agree with that. And me and you were talking after the game, Mir, and you said that it's just a lack of leadership. And I 100% agree with you. Unai Emery is not the correct manager for the team. They need a manager like a, a Jose Mourinho. They need a proven manager like a Carlo Ancelotti, someone who's going to come in. Laurent Blanc, I know he's a fine manager. I know that Unai Emery is a fine manager on his day. But they are just not the right manager to get this John, team to where they want to be. I want to point this out to you. You know that Carlo Ancelotti coached them and then left because the ownership wanted to get Arsene Wenger. So there's no way Ancelotti is going back there because he felt so betrayed. He went to Real, you know, won the Champions League. I will say this, though. There, there have been many reports of not just, like, divisions between players, but, like, cultural divisions. So the ones who speak Portuguese are on one side, in the locker room, the ones who speak Spanish are in the other group, and the ones who speak French. And, and that's really bad. But to compound everything, I just read a report while I was in class that Neymar has asked actually to, uh, to go back to Spain and to sign a deal with Real for $400 million. And, I mean, you know, it's just a report, but I kind of tend to believe it. A guy like Neymar who's kind of shown that when the going gets tough, is not really there for his club team, though he is for there, always there for his national team. It doesn't surprise me that he's kind of feeling like this, you know, he's not really happy in the French League because it's a little too easy. And, you know, PSG maybe don't have the leadership in place to keep him, you know, focused on the task at hand. I want to move on in because we have a lot of other stuff to get to. But, Christian, you, your thoughts on 
if Neymar left PSG to go to Real Madrid, what impact would that have on the world of soccer? That It would take the best rivalry in sports and make it so, so much better. Could you, Could you ima- imagine watching El Clasico if, oh. if Neymar was on Madrid? Who, it was, it was that Luis, would be crazy. Luis Figo was, is the biggest name who made that switch before, yeah. right? Yeah. He was the one yeah. who made that switch. That would This would be even bigger than oh that, my in God, my opinion. Dwarf. Yeah, Could you, yes, um, it could Could, you es- imagine? Especially considering how much money Real would have to pay PSG oh my to get him out and, of there. And also, guys, there is a $400 million report on this that it could be $400 million, But you know what? Gareth Bale has been kind of wasting away on the bench for Madrid. This could be his great opportunity to seize a leadership role on a super team like PSG, loaded with finances and talent. You know, So this actually might be a win-win. You know, They trade Neymar for Bale, and, P- and PSG gets a little bit of money. And, oh, and oh, Bale go going to PSG would play into the other long-standing rumor that I've heard that former PSG captain Mauricio Pochettino would love to one day manage PSG. That is very true. Not with, good news and, for you. And go with French captain and Paris native Hugo Lloris. Okay, Ooh. that would be a big double Ooh. swoop for for Tottenham. You're like smiling, but I, I can tell you're scared. From yeah, that. I, I'll yeah. use I'll use this as a segue. I wasn't even thinking about. I was thinking of one Spurs player going to PSG, and that would be Harry Kane, or not going to PSG, going to Real Madrid, and that would be Harry Kane because. Benzema desperately needs to be replaced at Real Madrid. He clearly is not up to their standards anymore. He was just dead weight on the field, in my opinion. If you put, if you would have put pretty much any other top striker next to Ronaldo in that game, it would have been five nil by the by by the seventieth minute. That Benzema had been wasting chances left and right. And the, the thing about Harry Kane being rumored to all the super teams now is that two seasons ago, when all those rumors started, he would not have succeeded on those teams, but he's added so much to his game over the last that. two seasons. Absolutely. His long passes, his yeah. crosses, his hold-up play, and his just his vision he's and work ethic on the pitch. Now. Yeah, yeah, he's he's he, he, would, he would be successful. I mean, obviously you can't put him anywhere other than striker because he's so good at it, but he's developed to the point where he would be successful behind a striker. Obviously not you want him as striker because he's so good, but he's developed so much that he would... I think he would succeed at one of those super teams, but I don't think he's leaving. Okay, got to move on. Harry Kane, we're talking about his team now, his current team. We're talking about maybe his future team, his current team right now. Spurs, out of the Champions League, had the tie in their hand. They fell behind 2-0 early in the first leg. Everybody thought, oh, Spurs aren't ready for the European stage. Dominated the final 80 minutes of that game. Everybody said, okay, like maybe this team is legit. Maybe this is the year that they really announced themselves on the European stage. Great first half. Hungman, Sun Hungmin, is that how you say it, or is it Hungmin Sun? Sun Hungmin. Sun Hungmin. Hung, I went to Korea for a month. I should know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> Hungmin Sun went, had a fantastic first half along with the entire Spurs team. That was a fantastic first half, well-deserved lead. But two goals in four minutes is what undoes Spurs, and you're rolling your eyes, Christian. It was, from I'm not a Spurs fan, but it was tough to watch from a BPL perspective to have them be torn apart. They, all, those are... That was Juventus's only two meaningful shots on target, and they were both goals. Yeah, for between the two matches, 180 minutes. Tottenham dominated for 160 minutes. Yeah, I and would agree. I would 10 agree minutes that. in the second half of the second leg, and 10 minutes in the first half of the first leg, and Juventus get four goals. I would agree with that, and that is just where the inexperience—that's that's the experience of Juve and the inexperience of Spurs. I, I I will say this, however, I don't think that I don't think that. Dybala's goal happens if Toby Alderweireld is healthy and on the pitch instead of Davinson Sanchez. Yeah, so you think that was Sanchez's fault? I yes. 
Okay, and you've been singing his praises all year. I have, but he's he's 21. He has no experience on the European stage, and that'll come with time, and I think he's going to be a oh. great defender, but he's 21. Mir, your thoughts? Let's, yeah. let's get this from a, a, a Juventus perspective. Yeah, i got to say just for a second, I have been on the Sanchez train since this summer. I immediately texted Hoban when, when I saw the news. Sanchez is a transcendent defensive player. I am so on his side. I think... I think he was. Oh, no, I think he's fantastic as well. Yeah, I yeah exactly. Like I'm just saying. Like I totally, I'm on your side on this, Christian. I think it's just he's 21. Like you know, <laughs> he, this is his first time in on the big stage. I mean, he's been in the Dutch league, and they have been doing nothing. The other thing I, I I'm gonna say, starting with the Juventus argument, is, uh, you know, Christian. You guys had one job to do. You know, all of Italy was on the Tottenham bandwagon. Beat Juventus. And, and again, it's just, I don't know what it is. Juventus always finds a way because they made a tactical switch out of the break, you know, and, and they changed their formation. And Pochettino, I guess, didn't realize it. I don't know. He has this. Pochettino didn't role. respond. He, I don't know. They it brought on Licksteiner, and Pochettino didn't know what to do. It almost looks like it wasn't even that he didn't know what to do. It's that he almost didn't realize because he had this stoic look, arms folded like he always does, and it looked like as if he had just, you know, like nothing had changed. I was really confused by it. Um, I think, though, the, 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 the best player in the entire match um, wasn't a, a Juventus player. I thought Juventus was pretty poor, I have to say. I think it's, it's Tottenham just... It was on Pochettino, obviously. I don't think Juventus won this game or the, the this entire round. I think it's, Song needs to be a player that is further, further emphasized on, on, on in the tactics and in the strategies going forward. He's really developing as a player. And, I, I, Christian, I think he's another one of those finds that you guys have that Tottenham always seems to pull out. And I just hope you guys keep him because I think down the line this kid's going to be pretty good. Christian, more on um, more on Sun. I, I have often said and tweeted that if Sun were European or South American, he would be one of the most highly touted players in the Premier League. He's incredibly talented. He's got an incredible work ethic. There is ethic, that bias there. And yeah, he provides so bias, much. Unfortunately. Yeah. He, he, I wouldn't say race cultural more than anything. Yeah. No, and, and and it's not knocking anybody. It's just it is it, how it, yeah, is. it is. I how mean, it is. South Korea is not really known for producing soccer superstars and I think Sun has the chance to be uh, a top player in the Premier League for a while if Tottenham hold on to him and I really hope that they do because I really think he's fantastic he adds so much to the team his energy he makes great runs through the box he provides width and he's a great finisher and it's nice to have another great finisher on the pitch because for a while it was just Harry Kane okay oh no go ahead Mir yeah real quickly two South Korean players that were great in Honda and uh, Kagawa. Well, they're also, they're both they're both Japanese. Oh, sorry. Well, they, they at least sorry, Asian, Asian players. Yeah, Asian yeah. players. Yeah, they faced a lot of a lot of like the, not being able to get as many opportunities as as they wanted, and also weren't given really much uh, interest in the transfer markets. And I I feel like that does play a role, unfortunately. But I think Song is a is, is kind of like you know a, a a a sign of things that are changing because Tottenham is featuring him, and I think after this game they're going to feature him even more. Yeah, they they've been moving him in and out of the lineup with Lamella healthy now and the signing of Lucas. But 
he's he's gonna he should be a permanent fixture in the eleven from here on in for Tottenham. Hundred percent agree. He was absolutely fantastic in that match. We're gonna look ahead now. We're gonna go to the BPL. We're gonna talk about United Liverpool, probably the biggest rivalry in English football. United Liverpool this weekend. I don't even know. It doesn't even have a nickname, does it? It's just it's just no. the it's just a, a big big rivalry. It's not like the Merseyside Derby or the North London yeah. Derby. It is just probably the biggest rivalry in the country. Does this does the winner if one team wins this match, let's say United wins this match 1-0, does that lock them up for top 4? Uh yes. Does it happen for Liverpool if they win this match? De- I mean I, see, I, think, I, think, I think you'd have to see how how Spurs and Chelsea do this weekend, but I think probably. I think I think the winner, if there is a winner in this match, that locks them up for top four. Mir, your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think whether it's Liverpool or United, whoever wins, it doesn't really matter. It's a lock that they're in the top four. I also would like to say that yes, United is the better team with all the talent, but I I'm pretty confident Liverpool is going to win this because people I don't think are giving enough like uh, attention to this growing division on the team between the pl- the coaches between Mourinho and the players. I mean, Alexis Sanchez is a phenomenal player and he's just, you know, cast aside. He's Falls struggling up. so far. Yeah. I mean, he's had only one goal. I think if I remember correctly, he's shooting 8% on goal right now. I mean, yeah. it's, it's horrific. This is Alexis Sanchez, a guy who wants to play every single minute on the field. He never wants a night off. He gives you 100%, and they're treating him as, as if he's, you know, like a bit part. And, and Pogba is also not being utilized properly. So I foresee some serious divisions going on in the team and going forward, and I think for that reason, I think Liverpool is going to win this probably one nothing. Taking a quick step back, that they went down 2-0 to Palace. They showed great resolve, a resolve not really characteristic of a Mourinho team. When they're, the Mourinho team, they usually like to go from the front. When they're behind, things start to waver. But coming from behind and winning 3-2 at Palace when going down 2-0 is very, very impressive. I'm just wondering whether that was just an anomaly, the fact that they were able to come back, or was it the two goals down that was the anomaly? That was just a rough start for them, and they really are the team that put three goals past. It just it's, it was a, a, a tale of two halves. Well, I, I think I know you they, have... I think you have the answer to your question. It's it's not a typical thing for a Mourinho team. So if it's an anomaly, it's not a sign of things to come. It's just an anomaly. Also, Alexis Sanchez is such a, a, a player who plays with so much grit. He sometimes can will his team towards a victory, even if he's not a focal point. Uh, I think that, like John was saying, that the two early goals – conceded to Palace was more the anomaly than scoring three goals. I think I, I'm kind I, of in the middle on this. I'm I, not necessarily I don't think I think United on their day really can have a defensive their defenders aren't that great. They're rocking Victor Lindelof no, and Chris Smalling they, at the yeah, back right now. Uh, they they're they're not they're not very good and they're back four. But yes. I, I I think I still think that they're a well organized team under Mourinho and I think that get, they're not going to score a lot of goals because it's Mourinho, but I th- also think that giving up goals is an anomaly as well, even without that much talent at the back. I think they're well organized, but they don't believe in his tactics, it seems yeah. like. So that makes me think they're not as well organized as they should be. This is a down year for the for, for the for the Premier League. I mean, City looks great, but other than that, I mean, the, the other three, four teams don't really look that good. Like they Mir, I have to 100% disagree with you. I think this is a very good year for the Premier League. I think Spur, Spurs have been a little shaky. They were a little right? shaky in about December. 
I think Liverpool has been absolutely fantastic, especially recently. I think and been. I think Man United, I don't you're I think you're selling them a little short. I mean, they did beat Chelsea two one and they did come back at Palace, and Palace are not a pushover. Especially at Palace. Oh yeah. I'm not trying to throw a shot at you. I'm just saying I don't think beating Chelsea right now is that big of a deal. That's fair. Yeah. You that know, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not you know, and I'm not hating on Chelsea. I just think there's a lot going on right now. I th- also Considering how much talent United have, they really aren't that good because of the, the product on the field is just not great, you know. And their defense is just kind of flat on top of everything else. Liverpool, yeah, they're playing above their talent level because they've got Klopp, but it doesn't mean they're really that good. And you know, unfortunately, Tottenham. I don't know. There doesn't seem to as as we predicted at the beginning of the season. Delhi Alley is going to have an off year, and I think that's what they're missing. Um, though they found songs, so maybe they'll get it together. They'll look hot at the end of the season. But I have to be honest with you, I just don't see the depth from the Premier League that I saw from last year. That's my only point. I I'll agree with your point that Manchester United should be better. They with their talent, they should be closer than sixteen points yes, away from Manchester absolutely. City. Absolutely. But I'm going to take. Uh, I've got a big problem with what you said about Liverpool. I don't think Liverpool are playing above their talent level because of Klopp. I'm, I I'm think they're playing. I think they're playing below their talent okay, level because that, of no. Jurgen Klopp. No, now you're wrong. I think that they're playing yeah. the way they should be right now. I think they're back. The people they're back for still is a little suspect. I think Salah is a yeah, exactly. world class talent. Mane's having a down year, but it's mostly because that Salah is taking most of the attacking attacking options. And Firmino has been fantastic at striker. He's probably one of the That's more the one key. of the most underrated strikers That's in the world the key, right now. Right there. Yeah, Firmino's fantastic. Firmino's looking like the most improved player in the Premier League because he's not really that good of a player, but he's showing this year that he might actually be pretty good, you know? Like, he looked like, you know, like a a three-star player that comes out of Brazil typically, you know, not the the top of the top, the cream of the crop, but, but a good player. But he's looking like, you know, like he could be a real player, like a real star. And, you know, I, I think that that's what's the driving force between Liverpool because I think Klopp has gotten in Firmino's year and he's really on board and he's galvanized the whole team. If, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but people really gravitate towards Firmino. All right, guys, I've been waiting for this matchup probably pretty much since December when it was first announced. <laughs> Chelsea-Barcelona at the new Camp. Your thoughts? I'm cautiously optimistic. Chelsea's form was terrible coming into the first leg against Barcelona, and they really should have won that game. This yeah. one, it's going into Barcelona. Chelsea do have a very good record in Europe, especially against Barcelona. They're not a team that's going to be scared of them. And personally, this Barcelona team is not like a Brazilian kind of flair team that's going to mm-hmm. run you over 3-4-0. This is a pragmatic team that can be beaten on their day. Your thoughts, Christian? 2 no. Barcelona. I'm assuming I was gonna, I was going to say I don't even need to know who you're. Picking. I mean, yeah, Chelsea put up an impressive performance in the first leg, but they've lost twice since then. I mean, I got to give it to Barcelona. Mir, over to you. Chelsea wins one zero. Morata breaks out of his slump and gets a, a goal. Mir, that's wow. genuinely genuinely the craziest thing I've ever heard anyone say on this podcast, and I've sat across from John for a while. <laughs> now. Mir, Gory, Christian Hoban, John Furlong. We'll talk to you guys next week. This is FUVFC.